Welcome to Tardi Mechanach Yomi. My name is Adina Schmidman. Did you know that you are part of the largest Nach classroom in our history? Did you know that you are part of a worldwide community of learners? And did you know that it is your support that keeps us going day in and day out? Please donate generously with an end of year gift. Go to ouwomen.org slash donate to give back to the program that gives to you every single day. And now for today's Perak. Welcome to Tarot Imacha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Pamela Rifka Simonson, and today we will be studying Divrei Hayamim Beis, Perak Gimel, Chapter 3. The Beis Amikdash connects heaven with earth. From today's parak, we gain some insight into the detail of the physical magnificence of the Beis HaMikdash that Shlomo HaMelech built. And we are also reminded of deeply beautiful associations between the physical and spiritual worlds and of our need to continue looking upwards towards Hashem upon whom we are dependent, even as we busy ourselves with the matters of the world down here. Shlomo began to build the house of Hashem in Yerushalayim on Mount Moriah, which is where Hashem appeared to David, his father, Shlomo prepared to build in the place that David had set, at the threshing floor of Arnon the Yevusite. I interspersed Mitzvah David's commentary into some of my translation there. Shlomo HaMelech is beginning to build the Beis HaMikdash at Har HaMariah, which Ralbag mentions is the site of Akedas Yitzchok. Mitzvah David explains that as outlined in Divrei HaYomim Aleph, Parak 21, at the time of a plague, David bought the site of the threshing floor of Arnon the Yevusite from Arnon. He built an altar there and brought offerings and called out Hashem. And Hashem appeared to him by fire descending on the altar there. Shlomo is preparing to build at that location, Bimkayim David, at the place of David, at the place that David had set at the threshing floor of Arnon, Asher near Ola, David of Vihu, which is where Hashem appeared to David, his father, through the descent of fire. Pasuk 2. Vayochel livnois bachoidesh hasheni basheni, bishnas arba lemalchusoi. He started to build in the second month on the second in the fourth year of his reign. Rashi clarifies the timing as the second of the second month, so the second of Iyar. Matsuras David teaches that Posuk 3 tells us the measures of the length and the width of the foundation that Shlomo made on which to build the Beis HaMikdash. The measuring unit is Amos, cubits, according to the size used for an Amor in the time of the Mishkan, the portable temple which predated the Beis HaMikdash, and that was six tefachim. One Amor was six tefachim. The length of the foundation Shlomo builds here is 60 Amos, and the width 
20 Amas. Rashi points out to us that this house included the Heichal and the Devir, that's the sanctuary and the section of the Holy of Holies. Then in Posuk 4, we are given the measurements of the Ulam, the hall. And the ulam, the hall, the length of which was according to the width of the house, was 20 amas, 20 cubits. Rashi explains length refers to the larger dimension and width to the smaller dimension. The length of the ulam, its longer side, 20 amas, was positioned along the width, the shorter side of the heichol, which was 20 amas. This is from north to south. The width of the ulam was 10 amas. Vahagova mea the esrim, and the height was 120. Radak understands this height to apply to the ulam only. It had upper chambers, but Radak does note that according to what Chazal say, it appears that there were also upper chambers above the Heichal and the Devir. And he overlaid it from within with pure gold. Matsuras David teaches that this is referring to the Heichal, not to the Ulam, the hall. Posuk 5, the Eshabayis Hagadol, Chipa Eitz Barashim. And the great house he overlaid with cypress wood. And he overlaid it with fine gold. And he fashioned upon it palm trees and chains. Matsuras David clarifies for us that the subject of this posuk, the great house, means the heichal. The Heichel is the largest section with a length of 40 amas by 20 amas. It's larger than the hall and larger than the Holy of Holies. Shlomo overlays the floor of the Heichel with cypress wood and he lays fine gold over the wood on the floor. Shlomo has images of palm trees and chains designed onto the gold. Alternatively, Ralbug suggests that these images were engraved into the cypress wood and then when the wood was covered with gold, these images could be seen standing out in the gold. Posuk 6 Vayitzaf es habayis even yokara lesif ores and he overlaid the house with precious stone for glory. Vahazohov zahav parvoyim and the gold was the gold of Parvoyim. The posuk here is talking about the walls of the house, according to Mitzvah David. Shlomo sank precious stones into settings in the gold for beauty and magnificence. Zahav Parvoyim, the gold of Parvoyim, says Ibn Yahya, was the best, most pure gold in the world. Rashi and others note that Parvoyim was the name of a place, and that in Yoima it says, Gold of Parvoyim was similar Ladam Porim. It resembled the blood of bulls in its quality and its red colour. Posuk 7, translating with Mitzuras Dovid interwoven. Vayachaf es habayis hakoiros hasipim v'kiroisov v'dalsoisov zohov. And he overlaid the house, the ceiling beams, the doorposts and its walls and its doors with gold, 
Ufitach Kruvim al Hakiris, and he engraved forms of Kruvim on the walls. And now we come to the construction of the Kaidesh Hakodoshim, the Holy of Holies. Shlomo HaMelech makes the Holy of Holies 20 cubits by 20 cubits, as we learn in Pasuk 8. Its length is flush along the breadth of the Hechol, and he covers it with Zohav Tov, fine gold, weighing 600 talents. Posuk 9, the nails, which Matsudos David says were those used for fixing the gold covering onto the wood, their weight was equivalent to 50 gold shekels. Shlomo HaMelech overlays the upper stories with gold. Says Matsudos David, this means the walls of the upper rooms. And we mentioned the possibilities brought by Radak earlier on Posuk 4 about where these upper rooms were. In the Holy of Holies, Shloma makes two kruvim with the appearance of children and overlaid with gold. We find this in Posuk 10. Matsudas David clarifies that the kruvim were made from wood overlaid with gold. These kruvim were there in addition to the kruvim that Moshe had made, as Ibn Yachya points out. This is in addition to the kruvim that were on the ark. Posuk 11. The length of the wings of the kruvim was 20 amas in total, each wing five amas long, and that long, and there were four wings, two on each of the kruvim. Psukim 11 to 13 describe the positioning of the kruvim. Rashi explains the kruvim were positioned side by side. One of the kruvim, its wing reached out to the wall of the house to the south, and its other wing reached out to touch the wing of the other kruv. That other kruv had its other wing reaching out to the north. So the length of the entire span of their wings was the length of the western wall of the Holy of Holies, 20 amas reaching north to south. Rashi explains that their bodies protruded from their wings. So the wings was their entire span, meaning the body didn't add extra to their width. And Rashi reminds us from Malachim that their height was 10 amas. They were standing on the floor of the house to the west. Ralbug clarifies that their backs were to the western wall of the Holy of Holies. Posuk 13, the wings of these kruvim were spread out 20 cubits. We just learned this. Vahim oimdim al-raglehem ufnehem laboyes. And they were standing on their feet with their faces to the house. The posuk telling us that their faces were to the house, explains Rashi, means that their heads were not upright. Rather, their heads were bent and they were looking before them towards the inside rather than appearing to be looking to the outside. So Rashi's view is that they were facing towards each other and also had their heads bent down. Radak references Baba Basra that they were positioned at an angle, like a student who is departing from their Torah teacher, a practice we mentioned in Perak Aleph, actually. At an angle, I saw this explained in Nefesh Achayim, to mean that the Kruvim were facing partially towards each other and partially towards the house. 
Vahim Oimdim al Raglehem Ufnehem Labayas, and they were standing on their feet with their faces to the house. They were standing on the floor, explains Radak. What was the need for the Kruvim built by Shlomo HaMelech in addition to those connected to the Arain, to the Ark? Why were they standing on the floor? And why did they have the appearance of children? In Sefer Mishpatzos Zahav, on Melachim Aleph, Sefer Be'er Yosef is quoted, explaining the following beautiful insights on these questions. In the days of Moshe Rabbeinu, when the people of Yisrael were in the desert, receiving food and water miraculously without having to work for it, all their needs provided for, it was as if they were a child at their father's table. And this was represented in the Kruvim on the Arain, having the appearance of a child, as if to say that the people's existence was like a baby who nurses from its mother without any lack. Therefore, there was an obligation on them to be diligent about Torah and service of Hashem without deviation. There's no distraction. The Kruvim were formed from the same piece of gold that the Ark cover was made from. They were not formed separately and then adjoined to the Ark cover. It was impossible, therefore, to separate them. They were connected to the ark from the start of their formation in order to teach the people of Yisrael that they also need to be constantly clinging to Torah and Hashem without Torah departing from their lips for even a moment. However, in the days of Shlomo HaMelech, when people lived in their individual portions with their own fields and vineyards and people had to work the land, Shlomo made two large kruvim standing on the ground also to teach the people of Yisrael that it was impossible for the entire people to always stand clinging to the Arain and that they also had to stand on the ground to work it and to guard it in order to obtain food. But these kruvim still had the appearance of children to teach the people to still be like children that even though they had to engage with work, they should not put all their strength and energy into earning a fortune, but instead to make their work temporary and their Torah fixed, to focus on Torah and service of Hashem and not to think that their own efforts bring them wealth, but rather to trust in Hashem that He is their provider. A person with all his wisdom and strength does not determine anything. Rather, a person is only like a nursing baby. A person is reliant totally on Hashem for all his needs. The smaller Kruvim on the Arain still carried the same message for those who did not need to work for a livelihood. And for those who did, the additional Kruvim standing on the ground carried a message of trusting in Hashem and focusing your thoughts and heart towards Torah and service of Hashem even when the physical world calls for your attention. Perhaps we can try to internalize these messages as we engage with the physical world around us. Everything comes from Hashem. Our successes are His. We need Him. And Torah and service of Hashem are our priority. Let our minds be filled with thoughts of Hashem even as we engage in worldly pursuit.
Posuk 14, Schleimer makes a parichas, a carton, made from blue, purple and crimson yarn and fine linen, and he has kruvim designed on it. Matsuras David teaches that they were embroidered onto the carton, and that the curtain was at the entrance to the Holy of Holies, even though there were also doors there between the Hechel and the Holy of Holies. Matsuras David explains on Posuk 16 that Shlomo made bolts from golden chains in front of the partition between the Hechel and the Holy of Holies. In Psukim 15 and 17, with Rashi, we learn that Shlomo HaMelech made two pillars that initially were formed as one pillar, with the length of 35 cubits, and then divided into two pillars. And these were placed in front of the Hechel at its entrance, outside in the Ulam. The Ulam was adjoined to the Hechel, so a person would enter through the Ulam, the hall, an entryway to the Hechel, and from the Hechel one could access the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So the pillars were in the Ulam in front of the Hechel. One was on the right of the entrance, and Shlomo called it Yochin, and one was on the left of the entrance, and he called it Boyaz. Each pillar had on the top of it a capital, like a hollow hat, which was five cubits. Matsuras David explains on Posuk 16 that Shlomo put two rows of chains on the top of each of the pillars and threaded 100 pomegranates into each row of chains. In Torah, a name denotes essence. In Sefer Mishpatzos Zahav on Malachim, it says that each pillar, being given its own name, teaches that each pillar had its own essence and its own individual purpose. We understand from this that the pillars were not only to provide beauty, but that they were part of the revelation of Hashem's Shekhinah that rested in the Beis HaMikdash. There's so much to study about the significance of the pillars. But perhaps for now, as we will be moving into further study of Yetz Hashem, of the details of the design of the Beis HaMikdash, we will be encouraged by this insight to keep in mind as we read about the aesthetically stunning components of the Beis HaMikdash, that if we fail to wander beyond the physical splendor, we've missed the point. The Beis HaMikdash is a place where heaven meets earth. And indeed, every moment of our lives spent in the service of Hashem, engaging with his beautiful Torah, is a connector between heaven and earth. Thank you for studying together. Lilui Nishmas, Rose Foreman, Razel Rachel Bas Arieh Leib, and Rachel Zeitlin, Rachel Bas Schleimer.